Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Road to World Football Show. I am Patrick Darty, back from Quebec, Canada, joined by Mr. Denny Carter and Kyle Dvorak as we break down the entire week seven slate that includes the miami dolphins at the philadelphia eagles on sunday night football at 8 20 p.m eastern um this sunday night on nbc and peacock we I mean, really really good stuff we're also going to go deep on the chargers and the chiefs the lions at the ravens the 49ers at the vikings and all 12 games not on the thursday evening slate but let us reference the intro let's take a little r and r time um going to quebec 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 whatever you want to call it uh, very, very lovely province. I would recommend it to anyone. You know, while I was gone, people had to step in. People had to do things. Uh, Denny did an admirable job hosting. Kyle did a Q&A solo. But, you know, so Denny and I were known in the industry for kind of trying to be funny together, Denny. And uh, oh, really? making that? Sometimes I don't when you're think making jokes with people, when you make jokes with people, you kind of start stealing each other's bits. Oh, uh, Denny has stolen a bit from me, and that is being violently ill. trying to podcast uh that's right through the vid as it's known denny how are you feeling uh you know i i have felt better in my life uh i'm at that point where everything hurts i feel like i've been worked over by a boxer Uh, it's it's very it's a strange (laughs) thing like it's like i have i've had my arms up and someone's just been just working me over around the midsection that's what it feels like because of the coughing and whatnot um, but I, I did, I made the mistake of leaving the house and I think that you made that mistake too, Pat. And now, now you, you're not feeling well. So the key is, no. the key is from October 1st through June 1st, it, we must not leave the house. <laughs> no, never. Ever, Guys, ever I graduated college in, I think 2018 uh, or 19, have not left the house since. Have you heard me be <laughs> sick on this show once? <laughs> no, no you have not. Kyle will never just have a kid once. <laughs> I've, I've gone on this this uh this rant before but it is funny how before you have the kid before you have kids like i haven't thrown up in 22 years <laughs> when you have a kid like it's been 22 days yeah right. this last time i was in the fetal position with body aches <laughs> from a virus i had never heard of before until my yeah. my kid's pediatrician diagnosed me with it over the phone yeah right. i mean you you really you know people like i i i actually came into into fatherhood with that mindset like i don't get i don't get sick sorry like sorry if that upsets you but i, I just don't get sick 
And uh, like immediate, like six weeks after my son was born, I was like, I think, I think I'm dying. No, I was, I was the ultimate, like not sick warrior. I haven't been sick since 1998, sixth grade or whatever. And yeah, 2016 comes around and I have like hoof and mouth disease or whatever the one I've actually, that's, that's actually one of the ones I've never caught and really do not want to catch. Uh, Never caught that one. We're going to catch this one though. Nice. Nail. We talk about football. We love love to catch. We love our football. We love the Dolphins and Eagles. Two of the only teams pledging to play a good football game for us this weekend, Danny Carter. Miami takes its football death machine on the road to Philadelphia, where they are two point underdogs. Tua smashed for every home matchup, but was quieter on the road against the Bills and Patriots. What is the outlook here for the Dolphins offense, Denny? Well, look, the Dolphins are running it when they can, and that's reflected uh, in their pass rate over expected. Uh, they, they Here against the Eagles, I think that we're going to see something probably similar to week one against the Chargers, uh, where that was a shootout environment. That was back before the Chargers were bad. And, uh, you know, and the, this Eagles team should be able to push Miami in that game, the Dolphins were 7% over their expected pass rate. So I think that that opens up uh, a potential ceiling outcome for, for Tua here. I mean, I'm not breaking any news here. These are two high-scoring teams that put a lot of emphasis on scoring points, which you can only say about, I don't know, six to eight teams in the league. And, and uh, so when you get these two, two teams together, it could be a shootout. Uh, obviously, you're starting Tua. I think this is one of the games where you don't really have to worry about Dolphins running and hiding like they have against inferior teams. Yeah, and just I left out the part about Tua hadn't been quite as explosive on the road, but like you said, it was kind of like the run and hide. He didn't have to do nearly as much against the Patriots. Didn't have to do nearly as much uh, against the the Bills. Well, he needed to do something against the Bills. That the Bills game was kind of the exception, but right. he did smash on the road in Week One against the Chargers. And the, yeah, I, just, I don't think you need to be concerned. Yeah, and by the way, the Eagles uh, have 14 defensive back uh, injury, or I'm sorry, they've had 14 defensive backs play this season, right? Uh, Zach McPherson and Avante Maddox are both uh, done for the year for Philadelphia, so they're they're hurting in the secondary. So you you would think that this Dolphins, as you said, death machine could get their way. Uh, Kyle, I may have been in Quebec, but I did not miss Raheem Mostert scoring three total touchdowns. I almost said tutters. Didn't want to get another negative Apple review. Uh, three touchdowns against the Carolina Panthers. Uh, as I got some people, I had him, I think it's the RB9 last week, and I had some people tweeting him, like, you got him too low. I'm like, dude, it's like, how much high? I mean, I got him pretty high. Like, how much higher do you want me to put Raheem Mostert? Like it turns out, last week. turns out I need to be higher. And uh, scored three touchdowns. Jeff Wilson did not return last week. He seems more likely to return this week. We still don't entirely know. But what does Jeff Wilson's impending return mean for him, Mostert, if anything? Well, it was, I think it was yesterday. That's the last time I was on news. Uh, Mike McDaniel said that he did not suffer any setbacks. They chose not to activate him because they wanted to use that spot on an offensive lineman. And then the OC said, I believe just a few hours ago, I guess it was probably this morning at this point that, uh, I mean, he basically said, he's like, yeah, it's nice to be at a point where you can healthy scratch a guy. That means like, that's good, a good thing for your roster. So though functionally, like it wasn't a healthy scratch because he wasn't pulled off IR the OC called it a healthy scratch. That's what it was. As a matter of fact, Chris Brooks got banged up at the very end of the game last week. So maybe that's the reason they bring him in now, but the fact that they just outright chose to bring up 
a backup lineman instead of him tells me that when he returns, it's going to be to a very minor role. We saw last week the both of the backups split six carries apiece. Maybe they consolidate that to eight for Jeff Wilson, but I mean, they could have had him on the roster last week and chose not to. They called it a healthy scratch. So I'm going to say, yeah, it, it really isn't going to impact me much. I'm still going to be ranking Mostert as a top five back. Ooh, top five is very high, especially against the Eagles run defense, which is still sort of good. But I've been looking very powerfully into who Chris Brooks is. <laughs> and uh, I do think with Mostert, the, the decline is coming at some point in the touches. Just, I, I, not to beat like a dead horse, but the way he wore down last year, the way they are always trying to add up this backfield, I don't think they're going to keep giving Raheem Mostert like 20 touches a game. Not that they've yeah, done I think it the decline comes many when times they get this H-M year. Back. I think when they get A-chan back, it will be a noticeable decline in touches. But until then, I'm, I'm not as concerned. I'll have to see the decline first, or I'll have to see A-chan come back. That's the other thing that happens. But if you're getting, even if you're getting 15 touches in this, in this offense, you're probably a top five or six running back. But when you can push for 20 touches in this offense, to me, that's like very obviously top three or four numbers. When you're at home against really bad defenses, yes. On the road against this good run defense, eh. I'm not entirely sure. Well, but I, I would say that the, the the Dolphins' screen game is pretty killer. I mean, they 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 really put their guys in good position, and uh, I, so I think Mostert Mostert doesn't need 100 yards rushing, I think, to get there. They use I, the I, screen I know game in the red right. zone too. He gets good red zone targets. Uh, like right. it's all I, I, I know all you're, purpose all parts of the field i'm with danny like it's this is good i do i do think it's funny i, I saw a post say dolphins fans are saying why isn't raheem Mostert in the mvp conversation by the way I, I don't really buy the jeff wilson healthy scratch talk. it feels like a classic like coach lie to me and I, I would still consider jeff wilson comfortably ahead of salvin Ahmed on the depth chart but Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I don't know anything. Maybe I uh, I have no idea what's going on since I am just. Yeah, totally I mean, they, they had to open up a roster spot for him. So to call it a healthy scratch is sort of what it's like in practice, but there's a little bit more technical nuance yeah, to it. It just seemed like they didn't know who they wanted to cut yet, basically, is what I would say. Yeah, that's happened. it. And the fact that that's a conversation for Jeff Wilson is not good for his fantasy outlook. But I agree with you. When he comes back, you're right about him almost certainly being ahead of Salvin Ahmed. I'm just not sure if he's ahead enough that you even care. Denny, what is going on with the Eagles pass catchers behind yeah. AJ Brown? Where Devontae Smith, by the way, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, and T. Higgins, they're all in like really good offenses. Are they are they proving there's just no such thing as like trusting a, a a good number two receiver in fantasy? The trope that yeah, this team, he's his wide receiver two on his own team, but he's a wide receiver one in my heart in fantasy. <laughs> uh, it worked last year. It's not working for any of them this year, though. Yeah, what is going on with the Eagles receivers? The pass yeah. catchers, I should say, behind AJ Brown. So I think that the idea that it that you know, hey, why why draft AJ Brown at the one two turn when you can get <laughs> Devontae Smith around around and a half two rounds later, that proved to be a faulty thinking on my I part. We we front ran how bad that idea was, I believe, on this show. And then I, I could have told I you it. by looking at them, stand them next to each other. <laughs> That's your answer. Do do what that tells you in your well, heart. That just, and it would have been right. Means, that just means Kyle doesn't have his hand in the dirt. That's all that means. I mean, that, yeah. <laughs> De- Devontae Smith is a film guy's dream come true. Uh, look, it, yeah, it's not close. Just just to give folks an idea what's going on here. Uh, A.J. Brown, 44% of the first read targets. Goddard and Devontae Smith are tied at 23% of the first read targets. So that's a huge, huge separation. Uh, Smith has been plagued by some drops. He had a Pretty devastating drop for some of my fantasy teams last week uh, against the Jets. 
He caught five of 11 targets in week six against the Jets. Um, but hey, he did lead. <laughs> you got this going for you. He led the team in targets per route run last last week. Mm. So, you know, in this environment, you know, you can have you can have some hope. I, this conversation would be totally different if he didn't completely fail last week. And and he had a, he had all the opportunity. Denny, but to steal a joke from you, as I talk about stealing bits, uh, my family just nourished itself with a delicious meal of uh, targets per route run and really, really good stuff. And now the kids are crying. With they are. <laughs> they are crying. What, Dallas Goddard. Uh, what is this guy? He caught five passes last week. <laughs> <laughs> Pat reading the box scores from last week live on the show so he knows what happened. Uh, uh, who cares? Uh, uh, producer Adam points out uh, something I did just like totally forget. Julio Jones is on the Eagles now. Oh, right. I don't know anything to say about that. that. I think no. he's on the practice squad right now. I'm not, I don't even know if they'll call him up this week. I mean, that's like, typical for veterans. They give him like a week or two just to literally get their cardio up, I assume, and get up to uh, get up to snuff on the playbook. So but even when he's back, like it's cool. Julio was like, maybe the best receiver uh, 2000 and beyond uh, something like that. But uh, we're, they needed well to look, the they're, they're looking very strongly at someone not being Quez Watkins, which is something they have needed to do for a while. Um, yeah. It yeah. could be a situation. They would do it in the draft. I thought there would be a team that could go like Josh Downs or something. And instead they're like 33 year old Julio Jones. Julio tanked so bad at the Titans. He tanked with the bucks last year, but this is a totally different situation where I think he actually could have success as a role player but not in a way that translates the fantasy value. Yeah. You know, la- last season when he was playing alongside Tom Brady and he had Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, you could see how that well, situation went. You may have remembered, I mean, how horrible that offense was in practice, despite how pretty mid paper. Yeah. So yeah. it's a different situation. Uh, you know, what else is a different situation is a sport of basketball. We have a quick message on that and we will be right back. Basketball season is almost here. And that means one thing it is draft season Get the Roto-World Basketball Draft Guide, which includes all the rankings, player outlooks, and projections you need to win your league. Go to NBCSports.com to get your draft guide now and use promo code PRESEASON25 to save 25% off and receive a $10 Fanatics e-gift card. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. The Atlanta Falcons, who had another great game last weekend, arrive in Tampa as roughly three-point underdogs, Kyle. Everyone but you was out on Kyle Pitts. Uh, There were other people who weren't out on him, too. But now he's had back-to-back usable outings. Is this a blip or a legitimate trend? We also want both of you to talk about, can Desmond Ritter keep passing as much? We've got an actual Desmond Ritter volume the past two weeks. But first, Kyle Pitts. 
Yeah, I mean, Pitts is number one in the NFL or among tight ends, at least in air yards. He's top 10 in targets. And those numbers are even better when you are using market share stats. He is the focal point of this passing attack. And unlike most other tight ends in the NFL, he actually goes deep, moves the chains. But like you said, I don't think they can keep up this passing pace. I mean, it's not even like a philosophical shift. Over the past two weeks, they have a negative 7% pass rate over expected. It's just that they've played in extremely close games. So you expect a team to throw a lot more than they did. In fact, despite that being something like 84 pass attempts, if I remember correctly. So that's what happens when you get in close games. Even run heavy approaches when adjusted for game scripts still produce a lot of pass attempts. They, they're not very good, so they should continue to be in close games. Though, do I think we'll get like another 40 attempt, 47 attempt game from Ritter? No. So, yeah, we're probably due for like, I mean, we're definitely due for a Kyle Pitts dud. He's going to put up plenty of those this year. That's just the nature of playing in an offense that's so run heavy. Mm-hmm. And he's running fewer routes over the past two weeks, only about two thirds of the team's routes, still getting targeted at a high rate. But that's also a bit of a concern. So I'm I'm starting him this week because it's the George Kittle dilemma. How do you predict when the the 103 touchdown et cetera game? You don't, and you take your lumps and you say, "Ah, it's tight end." Once every three weeks, I will annihilate my opponent, and the other weeks, their Hayden Hurst will score four more points than my Kyle Pitts, and that's an L I'm willing to take because it's a small L. Yeah, tight end. Before I get to Denny on Desmond Ritter, tight end has just become as bleak as I've ever seen a position where there's like maybe seven or eight like true starting level quality players. And beyond that, it's just like, well, this guy runs routes occasionally. Uh, I've heard of this guy. Uh, this guy's on the bills. Maybe uh, <laughs> Michael Mayer, huh? Uh, Michael Mayer, Josh McDaniels, man, but maybe just throw the ball to Devonte Adams. But uh, Denny, what did you want to say about Desmond Ritter? Yeah. So uh, Arthur Smith is kind of sort of conceding that he can't, do this nerd owning run heavy thing and keep getting away with it. I kind of agree more with Denny than what Kyle said. And we're going to let Denny continue. I just had to say that Uh, in the regression files this week, I wrote up Kyle Pitts and I ended up writing seriously like 500 words on the Falcons offense for some reason. Uh, Thank you to NBC for publishing that. Uh, Look, (laughs) here's, here's the thing in 2022, their pass rate over expected was negative 23%, okay? They never had a game with a pass rate over expected of higher than negative 4%. Now, over their past three games, guys, we're at negative 3%, okay? We're, this is progress in the, in the right kind of, direction. There are bears, right? We needed them to get to average. Not yeah. even, We needed them to get to like the 24th or 5th in the league in pass attempts, in pass rate over right. expected for us to care about DJ Moore and for us to like the passing production of Justin Fields. And they're kind of doing the thing. They are. They are kind of doing the thing. And uh, look, uh, Atlanta is facing eight defenders in the box at the league's second highest rate, and they are not finding any success against those fronts. I think that they actually have been forced. Teams are selling out Washington last week, like completely sold out to stop the run and did not care if Desmond Ritter dropped back and they won. So I think we're going to continue to see that. And Hey, that's great news for, especially for, for London. I think, I think Drake London becomes like borderline elite with this sort of volume. And then you have usable guys like Pitts and like John U. Smith. Yeah, it is funny. I say the past two weeks, I, I would not have remembered that Desmond Ritter had attempted at least 31 passes each of the past five games for the Falcons. I had definitely memory hold that. The problem is this, that 
and until he gets to an like an extreme level of volume, it's hard to notice Desmond Ritter volume because it's such low quality volume. And because it was quality. weeks two and three, it was 32 and 38 attempts for 237 and then 201 yards. And 31 attempts for 191 yards and Jack against the Jaguars in London. It was really only his past two weeks we got into the upper 30s and then the 40s and against the commanders that it amounted to anything. But Kyle, I, I, Kyle made some interesting points, but I do agree with Denny. I mean, Arthur Smith had claimed he was going to do this this year. I think he knew he had reached the limits of the cloud of dust approach and that it is kind of like, I don't know, a cry for help. I don't know what it is, but he's <laughs> going through some sort of crisis where he's realized he has to pass. And man, just I do wish someone could help Arthur Smith budget running back carries. And just because Tyler Algier, it's the same thing as it's the T. Higgins, Jamar Chase dilemma. Yes, Tyler Algier is good, and it, he didn't deserve for them to add a way better running back than him, but they did do that. And just because he is good and above league average doesn't mean he should still be getting 15 to 16 carries a week. It makes absolutely no sense. And these guys are, uh, I will never, uh, ever, ever not be upset in NFL offensive coordinators, Denny. Yeah, I mean, B. John Robinson is is a nice uh, floor option for PPR purposes for now. And, and until things change, that's that's about it. By the way, I was really struggling wrapping up my last thought in case you didn't notice. I was like, yeah, you know, the thought I have that I'm finishing. <laughs> and can someone say something, please? Throw me a bone here. Somebody throw you a bone. I, Denny will never just throw me a bone. I apparently didn't ask any questions on the Bucks. Uh, we need to talk wow. about the Bucks. I think I think actually the Bucks backfield has devolved to the point where they have to throw. Like like Rashad White. I, I'm not going to bore people. I refuse to bore people. I will say that Rashad White. You never done that. Is yeah. Horrific. Okay. Yeah, he's not good. <laughs> really like bad. like. I mean, way off the charts bad. No hope. Abandon all hope on Rashad White. It is Jover. Nothing has been ever more Jover than Rashad White. And Keyshawn Vaughn is worse. He's worse than Rashad White. And Sean Tucker is worse than Keyshawn Vaughn. It's brutal, man. They cannot run the football. In history. We knew he was bad, too, Rashad White. It turns out where he's even worse than like the low expectations we had. And yeah, not a great situation. And so, and so they, they have to throw, and that's great for Godwin and Evans. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Godwin and Evans. I'm glad someone said their names because I don't know. I guess, <laughs> good for SEO value. Next game. Yeah, good for. I don't even just, I, I'm out of things to say about them already. Like, yeah, <laughs> whatever. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Baker Mayfield. The Browns and quarterbacks unknown arrive in Indianapolis as approximately field goal favorites. Denny, what, if anything, did we learn about this Browns offense and last Sunday's upset? of the 49ers is it going to be run based even if Deshaun Watson is back and even without Nick Chubb like we thought maybe those hopes had died I don't know we knew that they might still remain run heavy but it seemed like we saw the return of the Browns blue, blueprint in week six yeah I, th- I think that you're onto something there uh Cleveland is under their expected pass rate in five of six games uh Deshaun Watson came out this week and said claims that he can't throw downfield or toward the boundaries which seems bad his uh, of field is downfield and on the boundaries. Yeah. But then I think he's already tired of people tweeting about him because he uh, surprisingly returned to practice on Thursday. So we we just genuinely don't know who the Browns quarterback is going to be. Yeah. And and uh, but I, I think it was Adam Schefter who reported that this this issue will not go away all year. He will not be 100% this year. Uh so they have that going for him. Uh and yeah, I think that they're going to revert to to the run here. 
And in a, in an absolute dog fight last week against a banged up Niners team, it, it worked. Hold on, worked. hold on. You're giving the Niners the banged up excuse. I well, they lost all their good the, players. I didn't so. know you're one of the banged up excuse. Guys. Other, other than that, other than losing all the good players, how are they even banged up? Even even if they lost two of their good players, they still had like five more good players than the Browns did. On I mean, look, we, you know that like a guy like Purdy is going to be completely exposed if he doesn't have the entire... I, I know that. Lots of America doesn't know that where they tweet that he's like a legitimate... MVP contender and actually good. Well, then he's oh, speaking to America now. He's talking to the heartland. Yeah, no, this 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 guy is uh, Tyson Badgent. Uh, oh, come, uh, even I won't go that far. Come on, come well, on, man. Anyway, he's he, he was exposed, and, uh, uh, <laughs> and and so yeah, I mean, I think I think Kareem Hunt really is gonna is gonna mess with Jerome Ford's situation. Uh, Browns fans were quick to tell me that hey, Ford had a couple good rushes in the fourth quarter, and that's. Great for you guys. I'm very ha- so happy for the for you all. But uh, but I mean, overall, the usage was not great for Ford because Cream Hunt is now a thing, including in the green zone. Sort of, but he picks up like two new injuries every week. I'm not sure how worried I can really get about Cream Hunt. It seems like he's just breaking down. But maybe I'm wrong about no, that. No, no. I mean, yeah. I mean, he's old and just returned. He just fell off the couch and started playing. Kyle, it looks like you were maybe saving a thought there on the Browns' backfield situation. <clears throat> then I'll ask you about the Colts' backfield situation, where it seemed like it didn't really clear anything up in week six. What is going on? Can we trust Jonathan Taylor as an RB2 yet, and why is the answer no? Oh, I, I'm fine trusting him as an RB2. Well, you There's have to one. this week with six teams on by. I think I yeah, have the yeah. RB21, but trust yep. would be a strong word to slap on. Yeah, I mean, last week things trended in the perfect direction in terms of the market share. They just got absolutely tanked and didn't get to run the football a lot, but he saw 53% of the team's carries. That was down like sub 20%. It was 18 actually in the week before that. He also improved his route rate from 14% to 37%. So he was clearly part of the plan in a more involved fashion than he was two weeks ago it's just when you get blown up uh you don't really get a chance to establish the run so his market share numbers trended up tremendously and i think that will only continue to move in the right direction it's really just about the quality of the offense and the good news for the quality of offense is that it's well it's terrible but it throws to the running backs Gardner Minshew is going to pepper his running backs with targets so even if it's a bad we're behind type of offense he could see a lot of targets though i i don't know exactly how they get him to like 25 carries in most games because they're just not that good kyle i'd said another denny moment where the, the abundance just overfloweth for my family with the route rate for jonathan taylor a running back. he did stuff with the route too he got like five passes for 50 he got like a nice little crossing route that he took for a long long run which bring uh, not to totally sidetrack the podcast, but to totally sidetrack the podcast. Didn't Bijan run like the most routes of any running back in like five years last week? Like, like I don't know, maybe just use the between the tackles generational type running back that you use the number eight pick on. Just maybe just use him as a running back. Has this occurred to anyone uh, in Atlanta to maybe just use him as a running back? Uh, yeah, but he caught five passes. That's in your PPR leagues. That's like fifty yards. <laughs> Denny, any thoughts there? Why? Why? Why are they doing this? Why are they? What, what are? Why are they well, doing? This? I mean, because Arthur Smith is smarter than you. That's why. Yeah, yeah he's definitely uh, far, far richer than me. The only he's the only FedEx there currently coaching an NFL offense. And I think we're seeing not nearly as good a results as we get from FedEx. I will say, Denny, any shot of the Gardner Minshew scam working here against the Cleveland Browns? Not from Minshew as a streamer, but from Michael Pittman as a wide receiver two, Josh Downs as a wide receiver three. Uh, yes, I, I, I do. I do think, I mean, look, the, the 
Brown's opponents are being held to uh, a disturbing number of plays per game uh, throughout the season. So we're not, we're not excited about that, but, but I, I think that we'll st- we could still see Minshew drop back 35 plus times here. Uh, that means get sacked you know, on 20 of them. Well, uh, that still yeah. leaves a lot of dropbacks. That's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, right. And, and so, you know, you're talking about upwards of 10 looks for Pittman, maybe some for downs. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if we're going to get, you know, like the, like the super scam, like we have in, in games past with Minshew, but, um, but yeah, I, I think that you're, you're playing downs in 12 team leagues and, and you can be, you can feel pretty good about Pittman, I think. Ooh, I don't think I'm playing downs in 12 team leagues, even with six teams on. Oh, man, I don't know. I feel like it's a pretty condensed. Look at what they did to Brock Purdy, who has assumed the mantle of actually good Gardner Minshew. Um, this is a tough okay. defense there. I think they're first in the NFL and EPA per play allowed by a like considerable margin. And they've actually been like, they were proved they can do it against well-coached teams like they did last week. This is on pace to be like a historic defense. The thing is PPR scams don't care too much. That's the reason they're a scam. If the defense is good, they just pile right. up the catches. So that's why I I'm fine starting downs though. I agree. Like this is a brutal matchup. Yeah. They're looking like the first kind of like noteworthy defense since like oh, yeah. maybe like the 2018 Bears with Vic Fangio, maybe the 2017 Jaguars. And it, it had been a while since there. I felt like there was like a noteworthy defense and the 2023 Browns are trending in that direction. I would not be starting Josh Johnson again. I, I like staying poor. <laughs> the, uh, the Chiefs and Chargers meet up on Sunday afternoon with a surprisingly low total of, quote, just 48, Kyle. It certainly did not look like Quentin Johnston had earned increased playing opportunities coming out of the Chargers' week five bye. Uh, what is the lay of this receiver core land for the, the Chargers, who have a first-round receiver that they simply can't get involved over Josh Palmer? Uh, what do we tell the people? Yeah, it's bad, 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 bad for Quentin Johnston. He ran around on fewer than half teams dropbacks. They chose to play 12 personnel and get players like Donald Parham on the field over using him as a full-time receiver. Josh Palmer is out there earning looks. Uh, since since they lost Mike Williams, I believe it's just two games without Mike Williams in their entirety. Palmer has a 28% target share and 42% of the team's air yards. So he is like a true, in a, in a game that I think is going to probably be a shootout, like wide receiver two potential. He's Josh Palmer, so I'm only ranking him as wide receiver three. I can't bring myself to push this guy into the wide receiver two range, but that's going against the spreadsheets. They say his usage is really like wide receiver two worthy. So he's definitely a he's definitely a 12-team starter for uh, yeah, fantasy Yeah, you hit purposes. the nail on the head there with Palmer. Where, like, it feels crazy, but especially with six teams on by, like he's flirting with being in the top 30. But he's in safe wide receiver three range. He's not a borderline wide receiver three. Yep which should not be possible with Josh Palmer, but that's where the Chargers are. That's where we are. Denny, do we expect immediate Michael Hardman snaps in the struggling Chiefs receiver core where they played you know, the world historic bad Broncos defense last year? The Broncos defense has finally stabilized a little bit. And we still just got nothing. We got like 75 yards from Rasheed Rice. But Rasheed Rice continues to be the guy who pops a little bit every week over Kadarius Toney and Sky Moore. But clearly, they have the same assessment of this receiver core that we have, is that it needs help. We know that Michael Hardman won't produce, like, standalone fantasy value, but do you think he's going to get in there and, like, shake up, like, the route percentages, the snap percentages, so on and so forth? I I, I would be a little bit surprised if he immediately stepped in and did that. Uh, Justin Watson is a pretty big loss for this receiving core, which, which is uh, – 
which is pretty Sickening. shocking to say. Uh, but he he's accounted for 25% of the team's air yards, which is just behind Kelsey, number two on the team. Uh, you know, MVS is the only other receiver on the Chiefs with a similar A dot to to Watson. So I guess that means like more dumb downfield targets for for MVS. Um, <clears throat> Rasheed Rice, it's 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 hard to project much for him because his his route rate is very stubbornly sitting at 30% on the season. The, the, the one upside is that Rasheed Rice is second on the team in first read targets. So when he's out there, they're clearly trying to get him the ball, but it would be cool to see him out there more, I guess. Um, I don't, I mean, if you have Hardman, uh, unless you're in a super deep league, I think just uh, cool, cool your jets. Yeah, the, Why do you have Hardman? Here's the question. Why do you still have Nicole Hardman on your team? You know, I wasn't even pres- pres- assuming anyone did. I just was oh, wondering if it was going to lead to cuts in playing time for certain players. And I guess it could, he could just be assuming the mantle of like basically like drawing cover down the field of Justin Watson. And he's still a fast guy. Like she started using him like a lot more underneath towards the end. But mm-hmm. I don't think he'll be a healthy scratch. I don't know why he would be. He, he knows the system more than anyone. I'm assuming he can just hit the ground running for the Chiefs this weekend. And yeah, not assuming any standalone value for Michael Hardman. But by the way, it's like this is like might be the most like over. Or I, I complain about like Arthur Smith like over designing his offense. Like this, the Chiefs' offense is kind of veering in that territory. It's like, like okay, we get Kadarius Tony out there for ten snaps, and we target him on seven of them, and then the same for Rasheed Rice. Like I don't know, maybe just let someone play a bunch of snaps. And yeah. see if they get better at football. Like well, you know, they tried that with Sky Moore. Never thought Boy, of that. Did that yeah, not they, work? They did try that with Sky Moore. <laughs> they tried that with MBS. Boy, did that not work. No, it's true. Uh, when you put it that way. Denny, or not Denny, any concern from either of you about how Justin Herbert looked playing through his finger injury on Monday? I didn't really see much of this game. I did see his hellacious end-of-game pick. Uh, how did he look playing with non-throwing hand, of course, but having a broken finger on either hand greatly complicates playing quarterback. Do we think Herbert can get home, hopefully, in the shootout? Either one of you have Justin Herbert thoughts. I think that it's not guaranteed uh, by any means because the Chiefs defense is unfortunately really good it this is. year. Uh, it's uh, it's really bringing me down, guys. The fact that Mahomes and the Chiefs offense really doesn't have to score a bunch of points most weeks and that we're not getting a bunch of garbage time points from the other the other side of the ball in these matchups. So, I mean, yeah, you're starting them, but like, wow, it's not it's these are not your grandfather's. Uh, Mahomes Chiefs. Let's put it that way. No, yeah, their implied team total is just below the Broncos and just above oh. the Saints. Like sure. it's, I mean, the, both those teams are north of twenty, but that's a very low mark that I'm setting just to give them some credit. Vegas is clearly concerned that they're on the road against a good defense, and maybe baking in some of the Justin Herbert could still be dinged up by the. I mean, he is hurt. It's just how does it affect him? So, but yeah, Vegas thinks that they're not a particularly exciting offense. Like Denny said, you're not benching Justin Herbert. But keep your expectations in check. And I think, Pat, I don't know if you said this in the intro. I I would have thought this was like a 51, 52 yes. points total. I really yes. thought this was a game where you'd look across all the games on the week. Actually, it opened at 52 at some books, apparently, and has come down. So yeah. 48 uh, stunned me. I don't know what it's at yeah. at this exact moment. It was 48. I, I still see 48 as well, at least on one book. So I, that's a good total. But Vegas doesn't expect the shootout of all shootouts. It's far from the highest total of the week. So. It is. Yeah, it's a good total, but not the great total we've gotten used to with both these teams, especially when they're facing each other. Yeah, uh, We will be right back after this. This Sunday evening, two of the NFL's most explosive offenses meet in Philadelphia when the high-flying Dolphins take on the Eagles. 
Get ready for what could be a shootout at 6 p- 7 p.m. Eastern, excuse me, only on NBC and Peacock. And don't forget, find all your favorite NBC Sports shows on Amazon Music. Just head to Amazon.com slash NBC Sports. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. The promo was written in Eastern time, and I still read it in Central time, the only legitimate time zone. Let's pre-game, pre-game show featuring fantasy football. Happy hours, Matthew Berry begins at 6 p.m. Central. Um, I was in the Eastern time zone watching sports for like five days, man. I don't know how you guys do it. Like this stuff is crazy. Well, I just don't. <laughs> <laughs> it's just absolutely crazy. A game starting at 820. Like, what do we think this is? Yeah, um, well, hey, uh, college football games start at 10.30 p.m. Yeah, it's it's totally untenable. Someone needs to look into it very, very strongly. That person will be Denny Carter, one day appointed to that position, which will one at one point exist in the United States government. It'll be a cabinet position. It will be. It will be. It should be cabinet level already. The fading Arizona Cardinals arrive in Seattle as touchdown plus underdogs, Denny. Geno Smith has had a very rough go of it of late. Some might say he has been getting exposed, but is this the spot where he gets yeah. back on track? Well, look, Gino is in the regression files, folks, because Gino has been ice cold in the red zone. Uh, he ha- Gino has the fifth most red zone pass attempts with 29. He just he has just five red zone touchdowns on those throws. He has a, a 41% completion rate inside the 20. That's the third lowest among qualifying quarterbacks. So it's been pretty bleak in the red zone, but he's still getting those opportunities, I think, this is the get right spot because folks, the the Cardinals, they stink. They do uh, stink. They were they were scrappy. They were scrappy <laughs> due for a few they, weeks, but it turns out, yeah, indeed, confirmed horrible. They were scrapping. It's there's no longer much scrapping going on. Uh, the Cardinals are allowing the third highest completion rate over expected, and the Cardinals are pressuring the quarterback at the league's third lowest rate. And Geno has traditionally ripped defenses apart when not pressured. So we. We are going to see Gino get back to it this week. Well, I've, that's what I was wondering, though. I wonder if he's been so bad in the red zone. Like, I don't have the numbers in front of me uh, because he's been like getting pressured at very high rates it, in the red he zone. Has, yes. That, that, An- that anecdotally, I, bad luck then. Uh, anecdotally, the game ending on a fourth and something massive sack last week would say you're right. I don't know if you saw that play, but I did was, not see that play. Yeah, I, I believe it was fourth and seven. They're in the red zone and he just takes a bad sack. Uh, don't even get a pass off and game's over. That used to be the Geno special until last season. Really hope he is not actually regressing. Someone who's been regressing sort of to the mean in a positive way is Kyle is uh, JSN. He's not at all living up to summer ADP or first round billing yet, but the usage has gotten a little better. The production has by no means been good, but has gotten better. What What is the state of the Jackson Smith and Jigba nation right now? We're we're rising up. The the nation is healing after a long, long, long first five or so weeks. Like you said, the fantasy points still haven't gotten there yet, but 
we don't care about fantasy points. We've talked about this plenty of times. Fantasy points aren't scored by fantasy points. They're they're scored by underlying nerd statistics at the end of the day. And we're starting to get there with those. Nope, Pat, I know, I know you think you need to actually win your fantasy games to, to win the league and whatnot. You don't. <laughs> you need tar- you need route rates. And boy, we have our route rates. Season high 81% route rate last week. That is like a true meaningful part of the offense. And it was also a season high in ADOT. In fact, every single week has been a season high ADOT for him. Every single week, they have slowly been letting him work the ball a little more downfield. He also had a play last week where he was like wide open for a potential touchdown. Genos doesn't throw it to him. So he's he's out there. Like he's actually out there getting non-running back targets. I don't know if it's going to result in even wide receiver three numbers because he plays on an offense that is filled with like two star receivers who should earn the ball a ton. But he's also really good and starting to get real usage. So I'm optimistic that he could maybe be a flex play in the coming weeks. And they have a high team total this week. They face, as Danny pointed out, very bad defense. Gino not going to be under pressure this week. I'm going to I'm gonna say you can start him. 16, every time Ooh. you question me on on can you start this guy, six teams on by. I cannot stress enough. More yeah, than five. You really cannot stress enough the six teams on by thing this week. And by the way, Kyle, speaking of stat nerds, your video is getting a little shot. I think you might need to close some of your 420 open tabs. <laughs> close at least 110 of your tabs. Do either one of you have thoughts on the Cardinals backfield? I just wrote, making sense of the Cardinals backfield. Keontae Ingram... Kind of not surprisingly with the lead dog over Amari DiMercato in week six. But Damian Williams is like on the Cardinals now, apparently. Like <laughs> anything to tell people about this Arizona backfield, Denny? Uh if the answer is no, that's fine. Yeah, you're right. I, I don't I looked into it strongly, honestly. And I, I there was there was no like huge takeaway here. Like Di Mercado played a bunch of like empty snaps in frantic comeback mode but didn't get targeted uh you know so i think ingram is the only viable starting option that you could use here de mercado is is not not it the kids are it's saying it's not it it's jover yeah it's very very jover he's not coming brock um the embarrassing new england patriots are approaching being 10 point underdogs for sunday's home game against the buffalo bills who have made a habit of just embarrassing the New England Patriots. I think they did it, what, three times two years ago, at least mm-hmm. twice last year. Like, Kyle, but we don't have to look far to find the Bills not coming close to covering against a vastly inferior opponent. I witnessed that in French Canada on Sunday night against the New York Giants on NBC is being simulcast on some French station. Um, any worry about the Bills' offense after what happened on Monday evening? Excuse me, Sunday evening. No, because in totality, Josh Allen is playing some of his best football, despite the sort of weird start. I believe the very first game was that Jets game. It was very odd performance from Josh Allen, but he is not only normalized, but looks incredibly. He's third in the NFL in EPA per dropback. He's first, first in completion percent over expected. Not something I would have expected from him coming into the season. I think he does a lot of his sort of damage with his legs, both in that he has like incredible EPA stats when he runs, but also he can avoid pressure very well and complete what seems like normal passes in a spreadsheet until you watch the play and you're like, oh, every other quarterback except Mahomes gets sacked there. But he's also just been really accurate when adjusting for his target depth. So if you look in totality, he is as elite as he's ever been. No concerns. Yeah, I agree with that takeaway. All right. I, I look, this is a tough blow for, for both of you guys. Uh, Josh Allen told the Monday Night Crew, 
Or no, wait, when did they play? They played Sunday they played night on, on NBC. NBC on Sunday night. You and watched it because it's on your co-workers, yeah, yeah. your co-workers, Denny. I, I'm sorry. I was, I was busy hosting the Sunday night podcast, but uh, <laughs> I was busy watching it in French. I yeah, well, it must be nice. It's very fancy. I'm sure you're drinking a cappuccino while you're doing that. <laughs> uh, listen, uh, Josh Allen told the Sunday night crew, he said that the Josh Allen of old is, 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 is it's over. Like where well, I'm not, I'm not being crazy anymore. There's no more crazy Josh Allen. And, and this is what I'm saying, guys. He has he has fully adjusted. That has scanned, and at least in the box scores, like how so the eye test to still see enough uh, crazy legs, Josh Allen. Yeah, we'll see about that. It Everyone doesn't look like maybe oh, I'm genuinely done. changing. By the I'm way, I'm done hurdling linebackers. You know how many times I've told my family that I don't <laughs> hurdle linebackers anymore. I don't jump over them. I don't dive head first into cornerbacks. I always do it. Still, we'll see about that, Josh. By the way, French Canada, they broadcast every game in baseball. Football, they kind of give up and just take the English feed a lot. Um, not sure. Roger Goodell, you need to grow the game in Quebec, is all I'm saying. Denny, I think or- cappuccinos are Italian. Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> they need to. You need to grow the game in que- Quebec, Commissioner Goodell. Right. One of the things I missed on vacation, Denny, was, yeah, anything changed in this Bills backfield? Like, does James Cook run routes again yet, or are they, they throttling off that still for some reason? Uh, no, it's it's actually horrible. Uh, it was a two two man backfield against the Giants. James Cook had fourteen carries. Latavius Murray had twelve. Cook was way more effective with his, but that doesn't matter. We all know that it actually doesn't matter what happens on the field. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's no difference between good and bad things to every play caller when it comes to allocating running back carries. It there's doesn't zero no. difference. You you say it matters that Tony Ballard's good. I say it doesn't. You know, it just <laughs> that's the way it goes. Uh, James Cook had twelve routes to eleven for Latavius Murray. So. It is. Look, I'm a James Cook guy, but I am now a James Cook doomer. Okay, it is Jover. It's just Jover. I'm sorry. You know, you know, James. Kyle Cook saw is- me mime a spit take when you said that huh. he ran one more route than Latavius. Like, what are we doing here? One more like, route. I thought he, I thought he's supposed to only be able to catch passes. Now all of a sudden he's running as many routes as Latavius Murray. I, like- I would say Latavius has more a more clear path to like an elite workhorse role than James Cook. No, well, you know what is going to happen is that for like this, almost literally the fourth or fifth straight year in December, the Bills coaches are like, yeah, maybe we should stop having a three-man back. You're right. And then Leonard Fournette right. is getting all oh, of oh, the stop. carries. Oh, my, my best ball team sweep Leonard Fournette on this team so bad. The I Bills are going to lose back-to-back primetime games around Thanksgiving, yes. and then in December it's going to magically be a one-man backfield. That, they always do that. Oh, right. Devin Singletary's our best. Devin Singletary back. season yeah. was fun. That was wild. Yeah. It, was, it was very so, fun. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I wrote Pat's receivers. I mean, we don't actually have to talk about this. Well, I mean, Kendrick Bourne's seeing a trillion targets yeah. a week. I like that's fun. That's another thing. I don't maybe just give Kendrick Bourne a lot of targets. The only they actually above-average player in the entire receiver court like every third week. They like admit that, and then they always throttle off the. Ball. They do kind of forget it at some point. Devonte Parker came back, and they're like, "Ah, we gotta give up the Kendrick Bourne thing." Bourne's like good. I think he's good. He's he good. He's very good. He has very high dog levels. He was identified by the Shanahan coaching tree. He's confirmed good. The Patriots paid him. They knew he was good. Yeah, and then they and they, they forgot for him. a little bit. They remembered last week though, so he flex flex this guy. But is uh, Malik Cunningham getting in this game? By the way. He got like five snaps last week and has only like dropped back. He took a sack, I think. <laughs> uh, Taysom season. That'd be uh, great. The Lions and Ravens square off in Baltimore with the Ravens operating as tasteful three point favorites. This feels absurd. I can't speak today. This feels absurd to me, Denny, though it's based in part on the Ravens' elite 
defensive path, passing peripherals. I said, I started the Lions being three point underdogs. Again, those passing peripherals are amazing for the Ravens' pass defense. But if you look at their schedule, they have faced like almost literally nobody. It's been an extremely soft schedule. Is there still hope for Jared Goff to get home in this matchup? I think I think there is. Uh, you know, Baltimore is a slight pass funnel. I think no David Montgomery means that they will have to lean on the pass like we saw last week where Jared Goff threw 44 times and Detroit was 14% uh, over their expected pass rate against Tampa. I think we could see something similar here. Uh, yeah, I mean, the Ravens have faced a bunch of really bad quarterbacks. The best quarterback they faced is C.J. Stroud in his literally his first I, NFL I was game. hoping you were say that. Can I read the slate real quick? They faced C.J. Stroud in his debut, Joe Burrow on one leg, Gardner Minshew, whoever the Browns started in week four. It wasn't Deshaun Watson, I don't think. And if it was, that's not good. <laughs> no, and whoever the Steelers started in week five, it was Kenny Pickett. It's been not good very, also. Very yeah, it's been extremely sought. Jared Goff should never be the best quarterback you faced through your first seven games. And he's going to be the best quarterback. So yeah. Faced. I, I, I know I'm not going to get into the DFS weeds here, but Kyle, I feel like, I feel like a lion stack is uh is a good, is a good little anti-chalk. Uh, play here for DFS. Ooh, that feels really and producer Adam points out it was the fabled DTR starting for the Browns in week four who ha- had I think one of the actual worst starts like Bad. the 21st century. One of my one of my <laughs> like very hardcore Browns friends said it was one of the five worst Brown starts he's ever seen and not not top three but he said it was probably top five of his lifetime. They have played in you know the 2010s the 20s. They've seen some stuff. Brown Hugh Jackson era. Stuff. They have seen some of the most heinous things and DTR got on the list. It was it really was that bad. Kyle David Montgomery is out. Josh Reynolds was not practicing on Wednesday. I actually haven't seen his Thursday status. Jameer Gibbs seems like he's lurching towards finally returning. Is it Gibbs season? Against the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, I think it'll be Gibbs season. This team has run the ball extremely efficiently. They have one of the best run blocking lines in the team, and they have the intention to run whenever they get the opportunity. And this is at least projected to be a close game, like a three-point spread to field goal. I don't expect them to be forced to take to the air a ton, even if it's maybe a slight bit of of a pass funnel, as Denny was saying. So I think if you're getting one of the most valuable backfields with a first round pick, who we saw the last time David Montgomery missed, they gave him plenty of work. I don't think he's as good on that, like between the tackles, Dave Montgomery style work. But like we've said throughout the theme of the show is no difference between good and bad things. 17 carries on a really good team is 17 carries. You're, you're playing him. Uh, Craig Reynolds got up to a limited. He, he did. He returned to practice listed with the hamstring and the toe. That seems very, very painful, but he'll probably be playing if he's already limited on Thursday. Denny, I just wrote Ravens pass catchers, ellipses. Like how yeah. the, the receiver core might be worse than last year, which how was that even, how was that? I don't think that was even in the range of outcomes. What, what's the latest update here? Latest update is, is it's either, uh, it's either Zay flowers or Mark Andrews. And that's about it. Like everybody else is kind of splitting up routes. Uh, no one has a really strong target per route run rate besides those two. And um, so I, th- I do think it's fairly straightforward. I mean, I guess if I had to start a, a non-Flowers, non-Andrews Baltimore pass catcher, I, I suppose it would be Nelson Aguilar. I, just, I was hoping you were going to say it because it's a Denny answer, but it's also the correct answer. Yeah. So I, I like when those two align. It's, it's true. It's true. <laughs> it is disappointingly often, I must say. I don't think. But, I mean, Rashad Bateman, you want to talk about Jover. Oh, no, 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 no. I didn't it's, even think of Bateman. I wasn't even, <laughs> even over anymore. 
the Rams and Steelers meet up in Los Angeles, California, with the Steelers operating a surprising three-point <laughs> home underdogs. You guys see what I did there? Stadium's going to be totally taken over by Steelers fans. Do you get it? We get it. Um, oh, I got it. Is it. What is the actual over-under of the percent of Steelers fans at SoFi Stadium, quote, this Sunday? I, I would legitimately say it'll be 73% Steelers fans. I was yeah, going to say 65 or 70, so same. 70, that actually might be low. We might be really undershooting it. But the Steelers, three-point road, quote, underdogs. Any words of wisdom, Kyle, on the Steelers' offense coming out of their bye week? Deontay Johnson is coming off injured reserve. Yeah, I mean, you can probably play Deontay. He earned a 14% target share playing like half of his first game. And in that game, we saw George Pickens clearly was – I mean, he was going to be on pace to be this team's distant second receiver – Every quarterback who's ever played with Deontay Johnson from um, – they're mostly bad somehow. Pittsburgh have a very bad run of quarterbacks. But Ben Roethlisberger, Trubisky, Duck Hodges, all of these guys, Deontay Johnson is on the field and they say, I'm targeting that guy. What he does with the ball as it hits his hands and then should he catch it after the catch, we're not getting into that right now. He gets targeted a lot and that's bad for Pickens. So probably playing him – I'm probably not playing Pat Fryermuth in his first game back. He wasn't particularly productive when he was on the field early in the season and it's not a particularly good offense. So I think, I think Deontay Johnson, though maybe a little bit risky, we could see a scaled back route rate for him in his first game back, is probably still the only guy I'm really interested in starting. I guess you can still maybe take a flyer on Pickens, but it wasn't off to a good start in week one. You might say that's a small sample. Sorry, Danielle, you're gonna. You might say it's a small sample size for George Pickens since it was literally one half. But I think you hinted at it like perfectly. There were something about Deontay Johnson. It makes it very easy for quarterbacks to target him. For George Pickens can be a really effective NFL player, but it's not easy for NFL quarterbacks to target. You have to be willing to like thread the needle down the field. Not much indication Kenny Pickett is that guy. And George Pickens is just kind of like in the wrong place at the wrong time, I feel like, right now. Even though Kenny Pickett had been having more success with him this year than he did last year, it, it just does feel very, very bad for Kenny – excuse me, for George Pickens with Deontay Johnson coming back. Yeah, I mean, you still have to start Pickens in 12-team leagues. I think uh, you do. But, I, you know, I you just got to adjust your expectations. Uh, 24% uh, target per route run rate for Pickens when Deontay was out. Uh, that drops down to 15% when Deontay Johnson is in. So, you know, he's going to have to hit the big one and he's going to get none of those nice, like intermediate smooth over type targets. Denny, any concern at all about Puka Nakua? 11 targets two weeks ago, but only seven catches for 71 yards and Cooper Cup's <laughs> first game back. Then against the, we, we said the very badly fading Cardinals defense, only four catches on seven targets for 26 yards. Anything concerning the underlying metrics or just a, a, a two-game cold streak that happens to coincide with Cooper Cup's return? We at Puka Nation want to state that we are as confident as ever uh, in, <laughs> in our in our guy. Uh, the fact that Cooper Cup is dominating uh, since his return does not worry us at all. But here, here's the thing. Look, so in two games with Cup in the lineup, Puka Nakua has, has been targeted on 28% of his routes. That's pretty strong. That's very and, strong. He has a nearly 30% target share overall. He leads Cooper Cup in end zone targets, three three to two. Drop one uh, of them last week. He had it in his hands. That right. would have saved the day. He did drop a, a pretty easy touchdown. Cooper Cup has an unbelievable 41% first read target share. Uh, but Puka's at 31%, which is top 15, top 16 
in, among receivers over the last two games. So it's not like he's been phased out. Stop saying he's been phased out. It's hurting my feelings. It basically sounds like every other Rams pass catcher is just down ferocious. <laughs> so, they, they don't but, exist, man. Yeah, they're not even around anymore. Yeah, two 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 Atwell Nation for those wondering, <laughs> not handling things well. They are not even around anymore. So, no. Yeah, two two. Uh, that one was fun while it lasted. I don't mean that sarcastically. It was fun while it lasted. No, yeah, it was. And also, Tutu is still on the field 100% of the snaps, basically. He is running a lot of routes. They they run a ton of three wide, and obviously, like Van Jefferson's not there to take the routes anymore. They're, he's their clear third receiver just for guys like him and Higby. How are you going to earn targets when Cooper Cup is the best target earner in the NFL and Puka is an incredibly good target earner as That's well? Great. The you know Those two guys being on the field at the same time is, is death for the rest of the pass catchers. Kyle, in French Canada, I heard reports of multiple Rams running backs being injured in week six. Uh, can you tell? Kyron Williams out a while. Ronnie Rivers out a while. Uh, what is this? They signed Daryl Henderson. They signed uh, they claimed uh, Miles Gaskin. Royce Freeman was already on the practice okay, squad. Okay, that's right. He's already on the practice squad. Likely be called up again for this game. They claimed Miles Gaskin off of waivers from uh, the Vikings. Uh, maybe there's some overlap there in knowing the system because uh, the Vikings are a Shanahan disciple team. That's part of the reason I think they got Acres. So well, they're McVeigh disciple team. Or, sorry, yeah, they're Mc, McVeigh disciple team with they're Kevin O'Connell. Uh, I guess that's also true. They're <laughs> deeper in the legacy. I meant Kevin O'Connell is a McVeigh disciple. So maybe he can get up to speed a little bit quicker than your average guy off the street would. And then they have Zach Evans, who was like a late pick, I believe. He was a backup throughout his career in college at TCU, Kendra Miller at one point, then transferred to Ole Miss, backup to Quishon Judkins, uh, who's really good. Career backup is not great. He was a five-star recruit. He's got that going for him. Uh, but I'm not I'm not playing a single guy. I Why would you? They have four legitimate players who could go out and lead the team in carries. I have zero faith in my ability to pick them. If I had to rank them, yeah. I would... I would go Zach Evans and Miles Gaskin. You tell me. I don't know. Like, it does seem like one of those situations where I mean, Zach Evans got some work against the Cardinals, but he was like the guy who happened to be there at the time. And that now, with an actual week to game plan, they might give it to someone yeah who has a much longer NFL track record, and all those other guys do. And I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if like Zach Evans were doing an active Sunday. Yes. Yeah. So someone says in the <laughs> the road, the road, road. Yeah. Zach happens healthy scratch lol and then, <laughs> then you are getting me with profanities I would never say on this show because yeah. you know I've got like oh I have them in all of my season long leagues I have 20% DFS something stupid like that so yeah I would I would totally avoid this I think with both Ronnie Rivers and Kyron Williams being out not only this week Rivers on IR out four to six weeks Kyron not going on IR suggests it's four weeks or fewer, but still he could push up to that four weeks. He could also go on IR on Saturday. He could. Yeah. It's, they could just end up putting him on on IR too. So I will say the one thing that that impacts outside of the backfield is they had been running successfully in the red zone quite well. Uh, Kyron was top five in red zone carries, and I believe tied for first, either tied for first or second in red zone touchdowns. I don't think they will have the confidence to give all of those red zone looks to Zach Evans or Darrell Henderson. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's the one area of Stafford's game that's been tremendously lacking is he's top five in passing yards. He's something like 16th or 17th in passing touchdowns. We so, all know why that is. They cannot have it be interception season in the red zone. <laughs> they just refuse to have it be interception season in the red zone. Well, they might try this week because the alternative is 
Zach Evans says humble season. Yeah. And for everyone who who mocks when I pronounce LOL is LOL, that would be Zach Evans, healthy scratch, LOL. So just in case you're wondering, (laughs) Uh, the Raiders are three point road favorites for a potential Tyson Badgent and Brian Hoyer showdown. Uh, Jimmy Grapple has been ruled out. Did I not hear you say that? Yeah. Before? Schefter Sorry, reported it, uh, or Schefter, you know, sources reported it. He's almost certainly right. Jimmy Garoppolo not playing this week, and he didn't say who the back. Say not to get political. Is it Brian Hoyer or AOC? Oh, <laughs> come on! I'm just saying, is it AOC or Brian Hoyer starting? Also, not to get political. A very a- apolitical man myself. I think it's Brian Hoyer. AOC was not particularly good in the start we saw him better than brian hoyer I mean, brian hoyer is like the classic there's there's a better idea than starting what i don't know what it is but there's always a better <laughs> idea than starting brian hoyer hey hey idea. hey i i like let's get one for the old guys come on yeah let's do that but anyways uh could be tyson badgett versus one of those guys denny how is justin fields's absence going to affect these bears pass catchers dj moore had really reestablished himself as a top 10 wide receiver before justin fields injured his thumb in week six yeah, look, uh, this is this is bad. It's bad. Uh, but here's what the me- the me- mainstream media won't tell you about Tyson Badgen. Okay, here's here's some things that I found on the internet. Uh, he holds his school, and his school, by the way, is the is Shepherd University. So can you say what division of college football Shepherd is in? I, I actually don't know. Then in the SEC- I think shockingly, they're only D two. They sound like a lower it is like, d2 it is d2 they sound lower than d2 could have sworn they were in the big 10 so but, he held, he holds a lot of records including most completions in a game versus cuts town okay <laughs> uh, real America. that's that's actually that's actually one of my favorite premier league teams but uh, most com- uh let's see most completions in a season in 2022 most completions in a career okay this guy is the greatest quarterback to ever come out of shepherd university and no one will talk about it no, uh, no, he also took literally like eight sacks versus Colorado School of Mines. <laughs> I saw someone else tweet that. <laughs> uh, yeah, so no, it's it's I, I mean, I have DJ Moore on every team, and I'm not starting him. Wait, well, what do you mean not starting him? Tyson Badgen's going to be the worst starting quarterback we've seen in a while. Like yeah. he is, but I mean, if six teams on by, I don't think you can bench DJ Moore. I'm You're not gonna have this. He's not. You're saying he's outside the top 36. I kind of have a hard time. Uh, well, maybe I'm taking a little far. I, I'm just. Then he I'm also in, has a lot of good receivers to choose from. I do. Uh, I do. So I'm actually playing McLaurin over more. Like that's basically. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, yeah, yeah, well, right. I but don't know if I'm going that far for sure. Oh, I do. No, no. Sure. I know what, what I'm saying is I I can do that. I guess some folks can't. I feel bad for those folks. Uh, what if there's no real difference between. Sam uh, Howell and Tyson Badger. Oh, uh, come on. No, no. This is this is awful. This is really, it's really it's bad. It's and by the way, pretty bad. The, the, this Justin Fields injury, like, I would not be surprised if he does not play again this year. And the Bears are they're in hell. They are just like seriously in hell. They never committed to the tank. They never like fully committed to Justin Fields, even though they tried to give off that appearance. I now mean, it's like another. I would say they're committed the, to the tank. They're they're hold the line season. I don't know about that. No, they are odds, not odds on favorites, big time to get the number one overall well, pick they're, because they're they not the Panthers. Saying it's not by choice though. They're they weren't like committed to the tank. They're just tanking. They just happen to be. Tanking. I don't know. <laughs> a t- they're a team currently experiencing tanking. Yeah, there wasn't a <laughs> I agree with that. I'm not sure that there's a strong difference between like we lucked into being the worst team in football. Or we because the strong difference is that the second Justin Fields' thumb is healed, he's going to be back out there. That's sure, but they really weren't winning games with him, so it's all right. They were going to win last week. 
Um, they were going to yeah, win. Yeah, that's true. They would have. Yeah, we got screwed. Kyle, you may be shocked, but Devonta Adams is once again angry. He's very upset with his role in the Raiders' offense. Is Jacoby Myers actually closing the usage gap with the one guy in the NFL whose usage has always seemed unassailable in Devonta Adams? I mean, Myers, in a descriptive sense, is closing the usage gap over the past two weeks we've seen uh, Devonte adams target share plummet to 16 percent jacoby's is at 30 percent, which is massive he's also seeing a bunch of first read targets but in a predictive sense i'm going to lean on the prior of Devonte adams is like one of the best receivers this side of calvin johnson like one of the best five give or take he's now also quote big mad yeah <laughs> I think the only thing that would slow him down is the backup quarterback situation. But even then I'm confident in him getting a bunch of targets from this backup quarterback, whoever it may be. And if you ask me, I'm going to need a lot more games of Jacoby Myers, who I think is good out targeting Devonte Adams to believe an actual flip has happened. And like you said, cannot stress enough. He's pissed. He again, not to get political Devonte Adams needs to vote AOC though, because with Josh McDaniels, Brian Hoyer, and Jacoby Myers, there will be a Patriots conspiracy. <laughs> Brian Hoyer is under center. Oh, yeah. These expats guys, they cannot give it. It's like being like in yeah. some like elite military unit. They all have like tattoos on their arms that say like Pats 07 to 012 or 012. Pats 07 to 12. There's an O before the 12 uh, in some sense. They, they still consider themselves New England Patriots and not Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah. And he will be feeding Jack Myers as he's known on my show. <laughs> Um, and Devontae Adams is in real trouble and needs to force a trade. Right, Where do you want him to go? I, I, the, I want him to go to the Chiefs, right? it's, it's not, not doing anything. It's not yeah. happening, especially because like McDaniel is very much, Josh McDaniel is very much like hot seat adjacent. How can you afford to like concede at this point when you'll have a pretty horrible record by the end of the season after two, what, two years? So it's not happening, but a, a better universe it does happen it'd be cool if the chargers got them yeah cool. they're not doing it in the I'm scanning through the teams i can see the cowboys like doing it for no reason oh that'd so, be fun it would be kind of fun i could see the lions now he'd be nah. the lions wouldn't do it um That's, they're not a flashy team like that no i don't know who i'm there's no one really standing out here adam right. producer adam saying the lions i think he's a little he's not redundant to um, amon Ra. they're actually sort of different they need a they need receiver help the lions do badly but I don't know if they would be willing to pay the. I don't know. I'm going to stop saying I don't know and squinting at my screen. <laughs> riveting, riveting podcast. <laughs> so, uh, Bears backfield. Roshan Johnson still concussed. Travis Homer is practicing. Ugh. Deontay Foreman was out there last week. Uh, what do we say about the Bears backfield? I didn't assign this to either one of you. I was hoping one of you had thoughts. Oh, I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's a grimacing situation. I mean, Roshan almost certainly not playing this week. He was a DNP on Thursday as well. I I don't know if I've ever seen a player DNP on Thursday with concussion and show up, even if he has had a longer time to recover from it. He's not playing this week. So, and Homer probably is limited practices are a good sign that he's playing. That probably takes some routes and even carries off the table for Deonta Foreman. The only thing you can say is that because both these teams are starting backup quarterbacks, it's hard to imagine the bears getting blown out. They're also probably not blowing out their opponents, but I expect a lot of running from both these teams. So six teams on by. I don't know if you heard, but there's six six teams on by. Deontay, I'm going to keep him around the top 20. Oh, I'm not top 20. I'll have him top 36, though. I'll give him top 20. I mean, the totals, not to work in his favor. At 37 and a half, and the Raiders only being three-point fair, no one's expecting a blowout 
I think there could be a decent amount of play volumes leading, like spilling over into maybe the emptiest calorie volume ever, but like a pretty decent amount of volume for Deontay Foreman seems plausible to me. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, sure. Whatever. Who cares? Yeah, <laughs> really? I mean, truly none of us do care. Uh, licking their wounds from a surprising Browns defeat. The 49ers arrive in the Twin Cities, the seven-point favorites, Kyle. Are there any lasting takeaways from that game in Cleveland, or was it just a case of a defensive buzzsaw buzzsawing and several 49ers skill players getting injured and, of course, immediately uh, creating a new free pass for Brock Purdy? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know if you heard this, but a bunch of their players are banged up. Trent Williams, we didn't mention him earlier, was also banged up in that game. I think he was trying to play through whatever was ailing him. It was like ankle or knee, something like that. Hammy. I'll name I'll name them all and I'll get them right eventually. So, uh, But it's, as I also... Oh, was it his glute? Interesting. No, I'm just oh, you're, yeah. <laughs> You said it confidently. I thought you were right. So lost the best running back in the NFL, give or take. Lost one of the best after the catch receivers, which is really important for this team. And banged up left tackle best left tackle of my lifetime so and against what i said i think is almost certainly the best defense and like you said pat it's it's one of the first times in a while where i can look at like a true star player and say ah this is a bad match if i'm concerned you're still starting you know stars against the browns but it crosses your mind it crosses your mind so i'm gonna say this was a confluence of road team uh like playing on the road playing banged up mid-game banged up especially and really good defense i'm not particularly concerned <clears throat> It wasn't like the Browns showed something that would be replicated across the league and pick Brock Purdy apart. You're still starting. I absolutely hate to have this mind sickness, but I sort of feel like the Vikings are going to cover seven points. Feels like a lot for this current 49ers. I wish it wasn't a primetime game. <laughs> game and yeah, Kirk Cousins in primetime without Justin Jefferson. Good luck. It's also now. an extra day of rest for the 49ers. If this was a, a, a noon central game, I'd be thinking very strongly and to just guaranteeing the Vikings were going to cover. Yeah. I, I lost a little faith once I just saw it was a primetime game. <laughs> Denny, what did we see from the Vikings pass catchers in their first game without Justin Jefferson? KJ Osborne, he knew the system after all. Jordan, no one won. Not that there was a KJ Osborne, Jordan Addison debate, but no one won it. Uh, we kind of had the debate. Yeah. There were no winners. What's the takeaway? I think Jordan Edison won. We can say that pretty pretty clearly. Uh, three, I love to win with three catches for 20 yards or whatever it was. 28 yards and touchdown. Got the only end zone target. Uh, got 40% of the team's air yards. That's a lot. Uh, yeah. So so thank, thanks, uh, thanks for everyone, for congratulating me on the Jordan Edison victory there. Um, it, yeah. So Osborne, Edison, and Hawkinson were the only guys running around in every play. Brandon Powell chipped in with some slot routes, saw four targets on the day. Uh, Hawkinson was tar- targeted on 33% of his routes, which is quite strong. Uh, so we're going to see more of that. If, if, if Hawkinson could ever not drop a ball, I think that would be, I think it would be good for his fantasy prospects. Would be good. Um, he drops every single pass that comes his way. <laughs> it's actually amazing. He has 47 drops on the season. <laughs> Um, so, you know, Hey, we got to get Denny sick more often. He's way more fun. Ways. <laughs> <laughs> just, just one catch would be nice. Um, and, but yeah, so a- Addison's going to see, I think more of the high value stuff. Osborne's out there. He's knowing the system and stuff. He's Jordan. There. I don't man. I need to get I'm a not, bigger helmet for him. I'm not calling someday. this mission accomplished for Jordan Addison. Like the touchdown thing could be totally random. Oh, 42% oh, better, of air yards. Listen, who cares? Well, did he attempt like 20 passes? Like, listen, who even cares? Imagine no, no, when no, he no, attempts 30. Size. I mean, that's not Addison's fault, Pat. 
Listen, I, I rented an aircraft carrier and put a mission accomplished banner behind me <laughs> after the, the Jordan Addison game. <laughs> Notice an extremely weird Jordan Addison stat where he does not have a catch longer than 16 yards since week two. That doesn't seem like that should be possible. He had a long DPI in one of those weeks because I watched it was the Panthers game. Really, really long DPI. Uh, I, I just would not be surprised if KJ Osborne's system knowing proves to be uh, <laughs> no. stubbornly no. enduring. Stop. It's what They're gets him on the field. No. It's not what earns targets. You know, this offense is over, man. They're not going to be. They're not even going to try to be explosive anymore. No, you're that. right. You're right about I that. that, that. Is, we both that we is, both that. is right into their plan. That, you that you saying it. Kirk Cousins is done without Justin Jefferson really brought this podcast together. All of us like, yep, you did get it. Like that's good. No, that that is right. Absolutely. Like if the if the Vikings ever have neutral game script, they're basically just going to take a knee from the from, <laughs> like, like, like there 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 will be. There will be no effort at scoring points unless they're four scores behind in the fourth quarter. Um, Christian McCaffrey still not practicing as of Thursday. It seems like he might get a week. They should probably just give him a week. Any lean, although uh, they do have an extra day. They're playing a Monday Night Football. Any lean on Jordan? Is Elijah Mitchell healthy? I know he kind of played in week six. Talk about the most injury-prone guy in the entire NFL. If it's not CMC, is it going to be Jordan Mason or Elijah Mitchell? I think it's Eli Mitchell, but I'd be shocked if we get one of the like really strong 20 carry plus performances, like where he was the clear starter and he took over a ton of the work that we used to see in his career. There's a reason he went out and saw two carries and had like negative three yards or something. He did. He went, last week. he went negative. Yeah. <laughs> There's a reason they only gave him two carries. He played fewer snaps, ran fewer routes than Jordan Mason. It's not because he's worse than Jordan Mason. I'm pretty sure yeah, he might be. He definitely might be. No, Eli Mitchell's good. I mean, maybe Mason. part of being good is not getting injured every fifth yeah. carry. Uh, I don't know if I agree with that. Neither here nor there. <laughs> uh, I would not at all call a case closed on Elijah Mitchell being better than Jordan Mason, but continue. It doesn't if matter. you factor an injury, sure. Uh, it, doesn't, on, it doesn't matter. Also, to Denny's point, it doesn't matter. It does not matter. Uh, I think I think Elijah Mitchell, because uh, as you would say, he knows the system. You, you want to talk about guys who know the system. Oh, he knows. This fellow knows the system, and they have shown a very clear willingness to give him a bunch of carries. I'd be shocked if, like I said, he gets to that 20-carry threshold. They were clear about his usage last week, but I think he's better. I think the team also probably thinks he's better than Jordan Mason. And we Do they? I feel like Shaney is really souring big time on Elijah Mitchell for uh, for once, I can empathize with Shani. Like, if the guy can't ever stay on the field, you can't really even put him in your plans as like the number two running back. You kind of almost have to treat him as just like a, like a totally like luxury role playing player who plays like a few series a game. I will say, like, that's the concern. That's why I'm not yeah. confident in ranking because I'm confident Eli Mitchell. I'm confident personally, Eli Mitchell is better, but I cannot translate that confidently, confidently into ranking him over Jordan Mason. I am going to have it that way, but I think ultimately results in a committee. I think it's an Eli Mitchell led committee, but the health is a total concern. I, I absolutely concede that the health is a concern for him, not only for the team's planning on using him, but also just for how much work he sees in any individual game. So. Eli Mitchell, RB, assuming CMC doesn't play, like, I don't know, RB27, RB24. Does that sound fair? Sounds fair. It might end up being a little higher than that. Danny, do you have any final thoughts there? Um, I, I really like Jordan Mason, but uh, yeah. the, the, the media won't let you report it. Mainstream media, NBC will not let you report that. Listen, but, but, but it does, again, it literally doesn't matter if he's good. Yeah, it actually does not. I wish to you that was a bit, but it doesn't matter. No, at all. it's not a bit. The <laughs> pathetic. 
Denver Broncos <laughs> host the Packers as one point underdogs. Denny, do we expect last week's three man Broncos backfield committee to carry over to this one? Man, it's uh, it was rough. It was pretty rough last week. Uh, seven set, seven rushing attempts for Julio McLaughlin, ten for Javante Williams, uh, Michael Burton mixed in there. He's a fullback. The fullback, as he's known. Yeah, that's a that's a new position to me. Uh, <laughs> and you know, so uh, yeah, I, I I think that there is some some value in the pass catching role, and I and I believe I I actually have lost my my tab for the. Broncos we can kind stuff. of tell. But yeah, I think you can. Uh, but I mean, Javante, I think is like a fringe starter. It's it's just as long as Jaleel McLaughlin and Javante are in the lineup together, they're going to destroy each other's fantasy value, which is unfortunate because I think both of them are, are really good and, and could be fun for fantasy if they got the role to themselves. Unfortunately, you don't have that and with six teams on by. This is the first time we're reporting this on the show. I think that Javante Williams is a must start. I've seen lots of people just like plunging Javante Williams back in the top 20, which makes absolutely no sense yeah. whatsoever. Uh, Kyle, the Packers offense is just a total mess. I know it's a good matchup in the Broncos, but for the pass catchers, is there really an argument to start anyone not named Christian Watson? I'll give you one. Luke Musgrave, um, he, he two weeks ago returned from a concussion and played a very limited role. And then finally last week we saw him. It was last week or maybe it was their last game. They might be coming off by one or two weeks ago. They had a buy. But his most recent game, a 25% target share and elite 0.29 targets per route run. He's like a legit tight end one candidate when he plays all the snaps, got concussed and then played a limited role. He looks back to normal and maybe even more so getting ramped up heading into week six so or week seven now. So he's a total tight end one for me. Uh, outside of that, no. Outside of that, they are rotating Jaden Reed and is a clear distant third, but Romeo Dobbs not earning enough targets, not earning a ton of air yards. So no, it's Watson and it's Luke Musgrave, who I don't even want to say like play him because tight end stinks. I, he looks like a legit tight end one. He's ranked as tight end one this week. Probably a six teams on by type thing. I think but, he might stay 11 or 12 when we get some of these teams back. Maybe. It's been like pretty much all floor for him too, but no tight end has a ceiling except for I two know. of them. I think there are two 100-yard games this year for tight ends. I think it's like oh. a Kelsey game and a Goddard game. Maybe I'm forgetting one, but I know the Goddard game in week four or five was the first 100-yard game, and it's the longest in 20-plus years we've gone without getting a 100-yard game, like the longest into the season. And that that's when he caught like five passes on the scripted opening series too, just because they were trying to tell him to like not give up on the season. Like, I are know you, we're literally you, never passing to you, but... Are you taking taking that away from my fantasy team, Chad? Is that, is that, that doesn't count? Scripted plays no, don't count? I do not. Not on this show. Does returning count this time for Aaron Jones, Denny? Anyone? I mean... The, the setback is something that we should be, you know, cognizant of. I mean, uh, I actually didn't know it was a setback until very recently. Did, did they report it as such when he missed that last, that, that most recent game? Oh, yeah. Uh, it was setback city after he came back and played like eight snaps. And yep. I, I, I should, I should log on to rotoworld.com. He was jovered. Check yeah. the news. <laughs> Uh, but he, I mean, you know, if he is at, at full health or near it, then he's clearly the best backfield option. Cause AJ Dillon, come on, man. Come on. That guy, that guy's Joe. And I don't know why, like, why are they even still giving him Aaron carries? Jones? Aaron Jones was like the Packers best player in week one. 
Like he he was he was like their their whole offense basically him and Dobbs. So I, I I'm kind of excited to start Aaron Jones this week. <laughs> Tying together all the I've seen people like getting excited about Jordan Love as a streamer and even with six teams on by even if being the Broncos man I, I, I'm steering clear of that. I, I've seen enough Jordan Love attempts for like a lifetime this past <laughs> month. I don't, I'm not sure I'm counting on this guy getting home against anyone. And like was like this was this group. was a case. This was a case. Like the regression files were on this case early, early and often. And the underlying numbers in the first three weeks of the season were so bad and and so fraught for for Jordan Love and Packers folks did not want to hear it. They said, "Well, it doesn't. They're winning. They're winning. Who cares?" <laughs> and I was saying, "But he's not good." And so anyway, he's not good. And uh, he's a desperation superflex play. I'm gonna I'm gonna say there is maybe some streaming potential because teams out there lost like Jimmy Garoppolo, the six teams on by. They lost Justin Fields. They recently lost Anthony Richardson. Yeah, Someone's yeah. been struggling through their streaming options after losing Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. It is a bad situation if you didn't get an elite quarterback. I think it's a very high risk proposition to play Jordan Love because he's he just ain't it. No, but not a bad team to stream against. Do you rather play Jordan Love against the Broncos or Desmond Ritter against the Bucks? Ritter. I think I'll take Love. I That's put close. Love one spot ahead of him. I wanted to rank Ritter higher, and I kind of chickened out and put Love there. Uh, man, but then it's like Baker, Pickett, Tyrod. We don't even know if Tyrod's playing. Hoyer. Ooh, I'm going to stop. None of these. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's He's a streamer. <laughs> He's a streamer. He's an yeah. ugly streamer, but teams are going to do it, and I understand. I mean, I have him written up as uh, for tomorrow the start sits not because I wanted to but it's hard to find two start quarterbacks that aren't elite so I threw his name in the list ending the show with a, the 39 total Washington football team at New York Giants extravaganza we still don't know who the Giants quarterback is going to be like I just referenced uh, commanders two-point road favorites will the line even move if Daniel Jones is named the starter and maybe in the commander's favor too soon <laughs> Jeez. Uh, too soon <laughs> Uh, did, did he, I think he. I think he might be better, Tyrod Taylor. I really do. I think he's better. Yeah. That's not impossible. I mean, not, the thing yeah. is with Daniel Jones this year is last year he was conservative, super low ADOT, but he didn't take the sacks. He wasn't doing a ton of turnover where he plays. He was a distributor on a perfectly mediocre team that can kind of work. But this year he's not doing the safe distribution. He's doing terrible Daniel Jones mistakes. He's six in PFF turnover worthy play rate, taking a sack on 15% of the teams of his dropbacks. 15% is so high. It's I cannot stress to you enough that this guy is seeing he's seeing ghosts, as we used to know the term with Sam Darnold. And he also has the worst offensive line. He had one of the worst offensive lines when they were healthy. And now they're starting like literally Justin Pugh on the uh a broadcast straight off the couch. They are yes. starting guys straight off the couch. So Shane Lemieux injured in practice this week. Yeah, I saw that on IR. He tore something like a pec, maybe? Like pec or something. Yeah, bicep maybe. So yeah, on the IR done probably for the year, I think. So yeah, it is. It's brutal out there for a guy who is known to walk into pressure, and his team is going to give give up that kind of pressure in every single instance. Tyrod Taylor's sack rate of seven point three percent, not great but literally half of Daniel Jones and he's 34th in turnover worthy play rate in a good way. He's not making turnover worthy plays. That's the best you kind of hope for in his whole career too. Too conservative, not turning the ball over. Um, Yep. Then he will end the show with the commanders pass catchers. Terry McLaurin has finally kind of come back to life after people were getting really restless two weeks ago. 
what can we tell the folks about the commander's pass catchers? Well, look, uh, from a, you know, uh, uh, an overarching standpoint, the commanders are just behind the chiefs in pass rate over expected second in the league, obviously, uh, hence the only the chiefs. Anyway, uh, they're passing the ball a lot. So that, that helps, that helps fuel volume, even though they're not really targeting receivers at a high rate at all. Uh, Jahan Dotson is Jover completely. Uh, he was being, uh, instructed on how to hold, uh, hold field goal attempts, hold, uh, be the, 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 the placeholder. Get the kick holder guy. That I would, guy. I also would have thought they taught every player on a Big Ten roster how to do that. So it was surprising that John okay. Dotson doesn't know how to do he that. Was seen, yeah, he was seen doing that in practice. So that's what they're working on with Dotson. Uh, McLaurin, 20% target share uh, through through week six. Curtis Samuel at 14.5%, and then Dotson at, at 13%. The air yard share is lopsided in favor of McLaurin. He's really their only guy who sees downfield shots. So I actually feel good good-ish about Curtis Samuel uh, here. Terry McLaurin is is a pretty pretty decent start against a, a, a not very good secondary. And then it, just for Logan Thomas, uh, Logan Thomas got two high-volume target games this year kind of by accident because if you look at his first three target rate, it's outside the top 20 among tight ends, okay? So he's never, he's never the plan, okay? Mm-hmm. That's, that's basically, that. that's what that means is like, the plan is never let's throw it to Logan. It just happens to happen sometimes. Just just keep that in mind when you're struggling between him and I don't know some other horrible tight end. Keep that in mind. Keep everything we've written and said in mind this week. Go back, check out Denny and Kyle's podcast from earlier in the week. Check out Kyle's 32 stats. Check out the regression files from Denny. Check out my rankings, which I do apologize for. They're literally the first time ever since I've been doing this in 2013. Do not include analysis. I'm going to add some on Friday. Is a little too hard uh, with all the traveling. Uh, I do apologize. It will be updated. It'll be keeping the rankings updated, of course. Um, so for Denny Carter, for Kyle Dvorak, I'm Patrick Darty. Thank you for listening. We'll be back later. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.